Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is a living word. It's a two-edged sword that has mighty power through the spirit to effect change and transformation in our lives. So Lord, we come to your word now with anticipation, with excitement, but also Lord, we, we say that we humbly submit to your word. Lord, we recognize that your word comes to us from above as revelation that we need. So Lord, help us to submit to your word, to obey it, and Lord, to put it into practice in our own hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in a, we're in a season of prayer at the moment, and we're taking uh, three Thursdays, so this Thursday is the second Thursday, to pray through a number of impossible challenges that we face as a church. Um, we've mentioned that we have few children and young families uh, at the moment, and we're praying that God would help us with a vision and a strategy to grow our children's church. We're looking for God to raise up uh, a new deacon to take on the administration role for the church. We want to see the fruit of people coming to know Jesus Christ from all the seed that's been so being sown in the community through Emerge and Let's Do Lunch and, and Kingdom Tots, who let the dads out, Bereavement Cafe and so on and so forth. We want to see God bring fruit and a harvest. On a human level, these needs seem, well, impossible, overwhelming, beyond our capability. But God is the God of the impossible. Gabriel's words to Mary, verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. And prayer is about tapping into the power of God who does the impossible. Humanly, we don't have the power to change things. But when we pray, it's as if we plug into God's power source through prayer and we receive his power to bring transformation and change. And I want us to look at what we can learn from Mary. Mary is the servant of God who trusted in the God of the impossible. Three things I want us to learn from Mary this morning about trusting in the God of the impossible. First, accepting that God's grace can work through you and me. Second, we need to trust in the God who keeps his promises. And third, we need to trust in the God who has the power to create out of nothing. And then we'll conclude by looking at how we can live as a faithful servant, just as Mary did. So first, we need to accept that God's grace can work through us. Sometimes that's not easily accepted by people. Sometimes people say, I hear people say, well, God may use that person over there, but you know, not me. It's not me he's gonna use. We might wonder, why on earth would God bother to work his purposes through us? We're not celebrities, any of us, are we? Um, none of us are particularly powerful or influential. None of us have great status. We live in the uh, obscure location of the shadow of the M25. 
everyone seems to go past us to get somewhere else. Or if they're like our family, they say, can we leave our car in the car park, the back of the church, so that we can go to Heathrow Airport? In other words, it's a place that people come past or, you know, park in to get somewhere else. Well, if you think you live in an obscure place, well, Mary lived in an obscure, unknown place. Nazareth doesn't appear in Josephus or any of the historical documents outside of the New Testament. It's a tiny little village, probably a hamlet actually, of about 500 people maximum. And it was on the wrong side of the tracks. Anybody born on the wrong side of the tracks? Um, Mary was born on the wrong side of the tracks. She didn't have much going for her actually at all. She was a young woman, a teenager, a virgin, pledged to be married, but she was unknown. She had no status, and young women in that culture had little or no status. She would have been uneducated, born in Nazareth, wrong place, wrong person. Why on earth would God send the angel Gabriel to Mary? Why would God visit New Hall? we might ask. Now, we might have expected God to send his angel to Zechariah. After all, Zechariah was a priest. He was religious. He worked in the temple. And wasn't the temple the place where God was supposed to show up? Yeah. But Mary, unknown young woman living in an obscure village, we're not told anything about her. We were told that Zechariah and Elizabeth were from priestly families, that they were people of prayer, that they were praying for a child and for the hope of restoration of Israel. But we're told little about Mary, just that she's a virgin and she's pledged to be married to Joseph. We're not even told that she was devout or religious or a prayer. I'm sure she was. But Luke doesn't want us to focus on Mary's credentials. In fact, Luke wants us to see how unqualified she is. Anybody feel unqualified this morning? No, nobody's admitting it. <laughs> well, if you feel unqualified, you're in good company because those are the very people that God loves to use. Good news, isn't it? Amen. God isn't so much interested in celebrities. He's interested in the humble and the people who are hungry for him. So God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary to say this, the uh, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Uh, now, no wonder Mary was troubled. There was nothing about her that she would have expected to be highly favored, nothing going for her at all. So the Lord comes and says, you're highly favored. She must have been thinking, what? You got the wrong person, Gabriel. But the Greek translation of highly favored means to be favored with grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. So God has chosen to favor Mary with his riches. Not because she was a person of status, or a devout or religious person, but just because. She's an unknown, humble person of low status. No wonder she was troubled. 
She didn't deserve any of this. But isn't that how grace works? Hello? We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all of God's grace. You don't need to be a celebrity, a person of high status or high education. You just need to be willing to receive God's grace. Listen to Ephesians 2, 4. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Wow. None of us deserve to be saved and forgiven and brought into God's family. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve to be rescued from being separated from God. None of us. And yet Jesus comes and he offers us new life. And if we will accept that new life and come to him and receive grace, we will be forgiven and adopted as children into God's family. That's how grace works. So you are highly favored with grace this morning. I want you to take that with you. If you don't take anything else this morning, let God speak to you and say, you are highly favored with grace. But God doesn't just promise us his grace when we first become Christians. This gift of grace is an ongoing reality. God continues to offer to pour out the gift and grace of his Holy Spirit every day, if we'll ask. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 11, verse 13. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Every day, God loves you, and every day God wants to pour out into you the gift of the grace of his Holy Spirit to help you to be his witness. Isn't that wonderful? Grace is not something you receive when you first become a Christian. Grace is an ongoing gift of the Spirit to you. God wants to give you his power, his love, his joy. He wants to give you himself every day if you'll receive. That's how much he loves you. Number two, we need to trust in the God who keeps his promises. Um, We saw last week how Elizabeth and Zechariah were not the first people in the Bible to be promised a child in their old age. God had intervened in Genesis with Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90, and God gave them a child. And we see this happening over and over again in the Old Testament. But Mary was the first person in the Bible to be promised that as a virgin, she would give birth to a son. That had never happened before. So this is a big one. Now, Mary knows where babies come from, right? She might be a teenager, but she's not naive. She knew that she'd had no sexual relations with Joseph. She knew that it was impossible for her to have a son on a human level. But the angel Gabriel explained this was going to be no ordinary conception. Listen to this, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This child is not going to be conceived the usual way. The Holy Spirit will conceive this child in the womb of Mary. And just to help her grasp this promise, the angel reminds Mary that Elizabeth 
is having a child in her old age. Verse 38. I am the Lord's um, servant, said Mary. May it be to me as you have said. That's an amazing statement of faith, isn't it? Can you imagine? You've just been told that as a virgin, you're going to give birth to a son. And not only any old son, this son is going to be the son of the Most High God, the promised king, the Messiah, whom all the prophets in the Old Testament have prophesied. Wow. Uh, as a Jewish woman, Mary, no doubt, was aware of all God's ancient promises through the prophets, through Samuel, Isaiah, Micah and Daniel, of a divine king who would reign on King David's throne forever. But she would not have been expected that she would be the mother of that divine king who would reign on David's throne forever. How could she have expected that? Why the virgin birth? Why? Because the Son of God, the Messiah, had to be fully God and fully human. You see, Jesus, the eternal Son of God, was already divine and eternal in nature. He'd always existed. He was with the Father from the beginning. He had always been the eternal Son of God. But you see, he had to be born in a human body in Mary's womb and conceived that way because to the eternal divine um, nature of God was added a human nature, right? Jesus took on a human nature in addition to his eternal divine nature when he was born uh, in, and conceived in Mary's womb. He added a human nature to his divine nature. This is, as C.S. Lewis called it, the grand miracle, the miracle of all miracles. Every promise that God had made through the prophets was fulfilled in Jesus. Just think about the promise we heard earlier from Isaiah, made 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, just listen to the way that Gabriel uses this language of, of Jesus as the king reigning on David's throne in his address to Mary. Verse 31, look at this. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you, you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Do you see the way that Gabriel picks up on that ancient prophecy and delivers it and fulfills it in Mary? Isn't that wonderful? And Isaiah didn't just prophesy Isaiah's birth. He also prophesied Jesus' death, not just Jesus' birth, Jesus' death. Isaiah 53, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Isaiah prophesied his birth and his death. And Luke is encouraging us to see here that Jesus fulfills all of God's ancient promises, past, 
present, future. So what does that mean for you and me? Well, when God makes a promise, he delivers. So when Jesus promises us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, we should take him at his word. When God promises us power through the Holy Spirit to enable us to be his witnesses, we should take him at his word and trust him for that power. When Jesus promises in Luke's gospel that he will return and welcome home the faithful who've kept the faith and finished the race with the words, well done and good, good and faithful servant, we should live faithfully and obediently today in the light of his second coming, right? All the promises of God are fulfilled and are yes and amen in Jesus. Third and lastly, we need to trust in the God who creates out of nothing. You see, it was the Holy Spirit who brought about the conception of Jesus in Mary's womb. There was no sperm fertilizing an egg. It was the Holy Spirit who overshadowed. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. There was conception from nothing. There was creation from nothing. Where have we heard that before with the Holy Spirit? Genesis chapter 1. Look at this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Jesus, the word of God, spoke into creation saying, let there be light. And there was light. But the Holy Spirit was God's creative agent, bringing beauty, creation, order out of the chaos and the darkness and the void. And that's exactly what happened in the womb of Mary. The prophecy was spoken over Mary and the Holy Spirit overshadowed and came upon her. And out of nothing, Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. God is so powerful that he can bring things out of nothing. He doesn't need material to create with. You see, Jesus was dead and buried in the tomb, lifeless and covered over, but the Holy Spirit raised him to life. The same Holy Spirit that brought about the conception of Jesus in Mary's womb was the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is in the business of bringing new life from the dead. The message to Mary from the angel Gabriel was in verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. We see this language in the book of Acts. You know, Acts is Luke's second volume, right? He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we see this language of the Holy Spirit coming upon people again. It wasn't just Mary that the Holy Spirit came upon. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Look at this language. It's the same Greek verb, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It's not just for Mary, this Holy Spirit coming upon, it's for you and me. Yes. Same verb, same Holy Spirit, same power. <sighs> Isn't God good? <laughs> Isn't there riches in his word? You see, the same Holy Spirit who brought something into being out of nothing is the same God who brings barren places 
to life in our lives and in our community and in our church. He's the same God who creates out of nothing. He's the God who shines his light into the darkness and brings transformation and hope and healing. Do we believe that this morning? The same Holy Spirit is at work in us who is in Mary. Just listen to this promise from Isaiah, Isaiah 32, verse 15. Till the spirit is poured upon us from on high. There it is again. And the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. Hallelujah. You see, God wants to pour out his spirit upon us so that we can be those who bring new life. There is such a desert out there in the community and in our nation, isn't there? But God wants it to become a fertile field. Do we want that? Do we want these seeds that we're sowing in the community to come to fruition? Do we want to see a harvest? Do we want the the fertile field to become a forest? Hallelujah. We have a God who creates out of nothing. Do we believe this this morning? This is what the word is saying to us. Don't have faith in your own abilities. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in the God of the impossible, just like Mary did. He brings creation out of nothing. He turns the dry desert places into fertile fields that become forests. That's how powerful he is. How do we tap into that power? We pray. We believe, we trust in the promises and we come out on Thursday and we pray and we say, come on, Lord, bring it on in prayer, right? I'm finishing, I promise, trusting like Mary. Mary is the example of trust that we need to follow. You see, Mary, to say that she took a risk here is an understatement, right? It's easy to skip over. We're so familiar with these passages. We just kind of race. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Look, for Mary to be with child before she was married in this culture would have brought shame and disgrace and possible separation from her family and friends, right? You didn't have babies before you were married in this culture. Didn't happen. And if you did, you were in total disgrace. So can you imagine the angel Gabriel saying, look, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to give birth to a son. Mary must have been thinking, "Uh, how do I explain that one away? Uh, Me and Joseph, we haven't had sexual relations, honest. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm." Can you imagine the gossip in the community? Can you imagine the shame and the disgrace? And yet she says, let it be to me according to your word. Whatever the cost, Lord, I'll do it. I trust you. I don't know how all this is going to work out. It's going to be messy, but I trust you. Sometimes that's what God calls us to do. We don't see how it's all going to pan out and work out, do we? But he just says, trust me, I'll take care of the mess. I'll deal with it. Just trust me. You see, the same spirit who came upon Mary and enabled her to be the servant who brought Jesus, the son of God, into the world is the same spirit who comes on us and enables and empowers us to be his witnesses, to bear witness to Jesus in word and deed. Can we say this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit, I am the Lord's servant, 
may it be to me as you have said can you and i say that and mean it let's pray oh holy spirit would you come upon us with power today to enable us and empower us to be your servants who say with mary i am the lord's servant may it be to you to me as you have said Lord, we don't always understand how you're working through us. We don't always understand how prayers will be answered. Lord, sometimes it, it's very messy. And sometimes, Lord, things look impossible and beyond redemption. But you are the God of the impossible. And we want to say, Lord, we trust you today. We place ourselves in your hands. We place the impossible things in our lives in your hands. And Father, we say, may it be to me as you have said holy spirit give us boldness give us courage give us faith to follow jesus whatever the consequences that we might be his faithful witnesses come holy spirit empower us overshadow us fill us afresh in jesus name we pray amen, amen.